Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, Good morning. people. I'm back with my normal greeting. I noticed that. I noticed you, you, you mentioned that I last week. I did last so. week. I've been waiting for you to say it. You said it. It's some heavy metal band, you said. I don't care who. No, it's an old podcast I used to listen to oh. about heavy metal. But oh, about, I knew it had some tie to heavy metal. It did. You know, so. Recurring thing, I'm, I'm having Deer Park sparkling lime water today. This is trash. Really? Uh, I'm, I apologize to the makers of Deer Park. But you're going to keep drinking it, I bet. Well, I feel bad. I feel bad that I went in there and grabbed something. What and is trash about it? Um, I, I was unaware, I guess there are different kinds of sparkling. My wife gets like a, a sparkling water that's very sweet mm, and kind of wow. almost has like a soda taste. This tastes like soda water that somebody squeezed a, one slice of a lime it's in. It's genuine There's, soda water. Yeah, it's just soda water. So, mm-hmm. uh, I am not a fan of this. Uh, I am a fan of the Nestle stuff that we have that's not sparkling, but mm. I just, you know, as people who care about Nathan's taste on specific kinds of water brands, yeah. um, which is a lot of people. I get a lot. Of, I don't think that's true. No, I think I you just of, lied. I get a lot of requests of Nathan. What do you think about what this? What we like is water? comments from anyone that cares about Nathan's taste and sparkling water. Let's do no, that. Let's what flip I the would, comment let's section. Do, let's flip that upside down. Let's comment on everybody that does not care about Sure. Nathan. Flood the comment section with that. Whatever gets us likes and comments, that's what we want. Any interaction is a, bu- is a plus for us. And I'm enjoying my Diet Dr. Pepper with cream soda. Now that's a delicious drink right there. And as normal, I was late getting here and forgot to get something to drink. I normally have something, but I, th- I thought, I'm going to go over there and they're not going to be totally ready. I'll go up, make my parents, and then I'll go back and get something to drink. And they we were, were ready. ready. We they were ready. For were ready. You. I think producer Joel is drinking the Deer Park. Uh, Joel's back off vacation. Water. Hello, Joel. Everybody say hi to Joel. In the comments, if y'all would tell us one thing you like about Joel. <laughs> that they can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number oh, one. That was harsh. I'm Joel, sorry. what's your opinion on the trash water? Yeah, okay. It's not very All good, right. Well, there you go. I just saw there was right. Do you else. like the other water better? I do. It, it's actually got some flavor to it. Yeah, this is just yeah, okay. trash water. So. All right. Well, Maybe thanks. it's the lime you don't like. Maybe you. No, it, I do love lime. I, but there's not a lot of lime. Like, it feels like a, a, you need a, little more. a splash of lime. That's what okay. it these are people that act. These are people that actually like water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or sparkling. I like water. I just don't like the sparkling, I guess. Right. I'm well, not right. much of a sparkle kind of guy. All right. Well, that... <laughs> That was a nice waste of two and a half minutes. There you go. That's so, make that into bite. a clip. Yeah. Saying, we always want sound bites. There's a good sound bite. Yes. Deer Park, it's trash. It's trash. So, Nathan yep. is going to drive the ship today. I'm driving today because Jason preached on Sunday, so it's it's on me. Get ready. That's get, a ship horn. Yeah. Get ready I, I, to, to run the ship aground. You're the only one that got that. Mm. We're about to uh, princess cruise line this, <laughs> flip it on its side. And uh, there you go. I'm just destroying all the brands today. You Princess are. Cruise Line. Hey, gonna... I saw they launched cruises again in Did Italy. They? they had their first cruise. Isn't Italy where gonna... the ship turns well, on? Well, of course <laughs> it is. And okay. that's going to be shut down next week. That's right. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I love cruises, enough. but I'm not raring to go back on one yet. Not yes. yet. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, sir. Okay. So uh, the first kind of topic that I, uh, we were going to bring up has to do with uh, kind of the current climate that uh, we're living in right now especially here in uh, Georgia where yeah. we are hot uh, and humid oh uh, yeah that's a bad climate <laughs> but uh no but that's like nine months out of the year. <laughs> yeah. in regards to all of the uncertainty around uh, school closings and openings and virtual versus in person and uh, it's causing a lot of pressure and a lot of worry, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear and anger for a lot of people. And I think it kind of encapsulates a lot of what is going on in our world right now, whether it be with the government or with the pandemic, but certainly in this school. Yeah, schools are more of a symptom because even if you don't have kids in school, you have something that is in the same thing for you. It's uncertain. What's going to happen? Where is it going? Right. And so a common thing that I hear in regards to this is, one, I wish I knew what they were going to do. Like, can mm-hmm. they release their full plan? Because it feels like everyone's kind of, hey, for the next four weeks or the mm-hmm. next two weeks, this is going to be, can we have the full plan right now just so I can get ready for it? And the other thing is, once I hear the plan, I don't like the plan. And now <laughs> that I don't like the plan, I wish it was a different plan. And so this tends to be kind of the conversation around it. And what I thought would be interesting for us to talk about is, 
what does a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, how do we handle this level of uncertainty? I don't have control over what the government's going to do or the schools are going to do, certainly what COVID is going to do. Mm-hmm. How do I live with the constant changes, the constant uncertainty? What should my demeanor, my attitude, my response be in that environment? Well, I think we start with, with the way Jesus told us to approach uncertainty. And he started by saying, look, you you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You know, Matthew chapter 6. And mm-hmm. he says, today is going to have enough trouble of its own. Um, and therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Right. Do what do what you've got to do right here today. And, um, and then, and we mentioned this before we hit record, the prayer that he taught us to pray right. in the Lord's Prayer was a very daily kind of prayer. So the, the, the posture of life that Jesus sets before us in the Sermon on the Mount is a very much a day-by-day kind of life. Yes. Dependence With, on God. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and it really comes down to accepting reality, which is, I only have, not even today, I have right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. All, all I have is right now. I don't have anything in the past. I don't have anything in the future. And, you know, I was talking to both of you all as a person of long-term recovery. You know, anybody that makes it through any kind of addiction, I shouldn't say anybody. That's not true. The majority of people, you really do that old thing that everybody – credits to AA of it's one day at a time, it really does come down to, and at some points, it's just a moment at a time. I'm mm-hmm. not going to drink today. I'm not going to use today. I'm not going to use this hour. I'm not going to use right now. I won't use for the next 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And in those 15 minutes, you're doing the first three steps. I, I realize I have a power. I have a problem bigger than me. I think God can handle this problem. I think I'm going to let him do that. And I just continue to run around those three uh, for all that time. The truth is, back on, so I was at spring training all those months ago when COVID first began to come out. I was just talking to somebody the other day. So I was there when the NBA game happened. I was at a spring training game, and, you know, they walked out on the court. Mark Cuban got the thing. They shut the game down. And then I was at a baseball game with Braves and Pirates playing, and they mm-hmm. walk on the field, and you see the pair, pair, they're going to shut everything down. The truth is, up until that day, I thought I knew what was going to happen on Friday. That's right. The truth is I had no clue what was going to happen on Friday, mm-hmm. but I lived with an illusion. Yes. Prom's going to happen, and mm-hmm. Easter's going to happen like normal at Community Christian. <laughs> Sunday's going to go off like normal, and this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. None of that was ever true. It felt true to me. That's right. It mm-hmm. felt true, but it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And all this does is it really does get me to reality all I have is now, and so mm-hmm. what I have to do is do the best with now. And anybody who's ever lived uh, a tragedy in their life knows that feeling. It, it, it's, it's, it's true all the time, but you get it magnified in that moment when you're heading along and, and you think you see the road pretty clearly, and then you get the phone call or right. the knock on your door mm-hmm. or the whatever. The bad test or whatever. Whatever it is, and then that moment, that road that you had – painted out for yourself just goes black and you don't know what the next moment is going to bring it it really is like you're waking from a dream and everybody's had this moment where you were having a dream and you wake up and you still think you see shadowy figures in there Mm -hmm. and then when you turn the light on all of that goes away Mm -hmm. tragedy has a way of turning the light on Mm -hmm. and all it reveals is to you all you have is you have now and so i can serve jesus now and if I keep stacking those moments, mm. I get a life that was well-lived. Mm-hmm. This thing of wanting on the future, hoping for the future, or I don't like what's coming in the future, and I'm living hope. I, I, I know this is never coming back, but my feelings are tied to that. All of that is wasting the only thing you have, yeah. which is Just now. right now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't make this happen. You don't know what's going to happen out here. Either way, all I have is this. Mm. I just have this. Mm. Yeah. And what Jesus invites us to, I mean, the invitation of the kingdom is a is a a world where it becomes clear to me that God is king and he sits on a throne and it's the only throne that matters. And so whether it be the government or the school board or the CDC over the, the pandemic or whatever it is, all these different kind of many authorities in our world that 
we are just trying to control and to influence and to manipulate to make it the way I want it to be. It reminds me that God is the one who is central over all of those things. He's the one who has the ultimate control. And so I get to live in this state of dependence on him, which, man, to us who are American, I think in particular, dependence, it's anti-American because we're independent. We have a declaration Mm -hmm. of independence, right? And I don't need anybody, uh, any authority in my life. I can figure it out. But I think when we go to third world countries, what many of us see is you see people who live in what we would consider horrible circumstances that would cause all of us to, to worry, but they have this kind of joy in the midst of governments that are constantly in chaos and turmoil, pandemics that are kind of normal to them on top of, we were talking about infant mortality rates are very high. Like it's just, it, that's a normal reality for them. They kind of have pretty early on in life an understanding of, most of my life is out of my control other than what I do right now in this moment. And they live with freedom because of that. Mm -hmm. They live with joy in the midst. And especially believers who step into that believe, hey, the world is actually kind of out of control, but God Mm -hmm. is in control. He's working in all this. So even when a bad thing happens, I understand. Even if it's not the way I want, God's working to bring good out of it. So to the original thing, what do we do in it? I think you just have to really focus on I have I have this moment and God is in this moment and God is with me in this moment and if I will live this moment out fully those moments I don't know or I don't like somebody's plans or I don't know where those moments will be okay too that's mm-hmm. what Jesus mm-hmm. I was, just saw a title of a book that I thought that's a great title it's called what if Jesus was serious right so <laughs> what if Jesus was really serious when he said hey I'll tell you what I would do about the school and what their plan is I wouldn't think nothing about that. <laughs> what would what what should I do about what's going to happen at Thanksgiving? I I wouldn't give any thought to that. <laughs> yeah. I I would you got enough to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. I just focus. What if he was really serious that that's the way to live? Well, yeah. and in particular, well, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say that nine times out of ten, when I have had uh, someone in my office who's seeking some type of advice or counsel uh, from me is I always teach that principle that we've taught around here for a long time of the next right thing. Right. And and I often will lead them through a mental exercise where I'll right. ask them, I'll say, hey, I know there's a, you and I have talked about a lot of things and you've got a lot to worry about and, and, and things that are coming down your 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 road in your week. Um, but, hey, tell me, what, what would be the best thing for you to do between now and the next hour you walk out of my door? Yeah. And and I say seriously, tell me what what what's the right thing for you to do? And they'll say very mundane things like, "Well, I guess I need to go home, and I guess I need to pack a bag to go to this place." And I say, "Well, why don't you go do that?" And then when you get to the end of that moment, right? Why don't you have this conversation with yourself again? And what's the next right thing for me to do? And it would be to drive over to that person's house and have that conversation or whatever it might be. And it's just a very step by step. And I said, you know, you can live your life this way. Yes. And, and, and just simply in conversation with God, yep. God, what, what would you have me do right now? And it often reminds me of this old movie that I watched years ago that I absolutely love called the apostle. Mm-hmm. Oh, Remember that yeah, movie? Yeah. 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 I love that movie. Ro- uh, um, Duvall, what's yeah, his name? Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall's in the movie, and he's this old preacher. And there's a scene where he's walking through town, and you can hear him mumbling under his breath. And he's going, "Okay, Lord, what? Where do I go? What? Yes, Lord, I'll go there." And he turns, and and it's it's a little bit over the top, but he really is living the life like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Of what would be what would be God's will for me right now? The next right thing to do, and he just does it. And sometimes he gets it right, and sometimes, sometimes he, gets he gets it wrong. It wrong. Yeah. But that that daily moment by moment dependence, and if you can do that long enough, and and, and understand that God's trustworthy, mm-hmm. and that uh, God's kingdom is is as we say around here, very safe for you to live mm-hmm. in. You can live that way. Then it it only grows your dependence on God. It grows your faith. Your joy will will just explode. That's right. Certainly more than. The other way of living is reaching into the future, trying to plan and, and, to, and to manipulate and to, and to go that direction. Yeah, because we were talking about somebody at lunch that uh, really is a big planner, and, they, and I've heard them say many times, the planning is always more fun for me than the thing mm. well, because I have to live in the thing, mm-hmm. and they even are planning the next thing when they're in the thing. Of course. Right. And that's where it gets when you – it, it really is an idolatry of the future mm-hmm. over the now. God, God mm-hmm. gives me now, 
I really want the future, but I don't, I don't have any. There isn't. The future, I do not know other than with Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's really the part I think people miss about eternal life. All Jesus is saying about eternal life is if I do life with God, I just do all the moments, mm-hmm. and eventually they just don't end. Mm. Yep. The, and, my body yeah. may end, but I oh, don't yeah. end. I, yeah. And, and isn't it been true for y'all, it's been true for me, that we're historically really, really bad at predicting Everything. Everything in, in our future. And like, for instance, back to the school question, um, my kids, you know, are both in, in middle and high school, and they were absolutely not a fan of being online. Just didn't want to do it, mourned it. I want to see my friends. I want to go to school and all that. And and that's, again, nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but I come home from day one, and I say, so tell me about online school. And both of them, they said, you know, wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I still don't like it. Sure. <laughs> I wish I went to school today, and I wish I had the other thing. But, you know, and I said, so the buildup in your brain was way worse than what you actually experienced. And you got through it, and actually there are parts of it you kind of liked. And they're like, yeah, you're right, Dad. And I said, so don't you wish you hadn't spent all that time sure. <laughs> focused on it, worried about it, fretting about it, because your imagination just did a number on you. Yeah, that's right. You know? Well, and I think to kind of close it out, I think everything that I kind of heard everyone say, I think really comes back to Jesus gets through, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today. And then he ends by saying the way that you do that is you seek first the kingdom of God, which means you make his priorities, the things he cares about, the most important thing. And when that becomes the most important thing, my softball schedule, whether college football is coming back, whether I'm (laughs) in person for school, whether the government works the way I want, it becomes clear to me those aren't the top priorities for God either. What's always a top priority is can we enter into a kingdom of love? Is anything that's happening hindering me from loving another person? No? Then nothing's, nothing's at stake. Mm-hmm. What's what's at stake in this moment is can I continue to love and influence another person? And I can do that anywhere. Yes. As long as my mind is seeking the kingdom of God, no one can stop me from that. Yes. And so I think as a kind of closing thing, that's, I think, where Jesus would aco- encompass the whole thing. Don't worry about tomorrow because the kingdom of God is secure and you can seek it no matter what happens to you. That's so. good. Awesome. All right. Oh, I want to I wanna tag onto that. We'll end that as a little place if we We're want trying to, to make some soundbite clips. This one was 14 minutes long, so I don't <laughs> – Hey, our goal was 10. That's closer than We're we have closer. normally been. See, we right now are living in the moment of good job on us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when, we get, when we get to – Virtual th- pats on our back. That's right. Tomorrow <laughs> we'll look back and go, man, we should have made that shorter. Sure. But right now, that's not a concern. We need to start setting a goal of four minutes and maybe <laughs> we'll win <laughs> 10. That's right. So I want to tag on what you were just talking about because I also see this a lot, and I don't want to miss the moment to talk about it. And you and I had a conversation earlier about this. I know this is also where a lot of people are in a similar kind of way. Hmm. There is a lot of memes (laughs) and a lot of talk right now Hmm. about prophecies, and it's even more been exacerbated, uh, which is a big word. It's even been made worse Hmm. by the fact that we have this peace agreement over now, you know, the Afghanistan and the whole Middle East thing of prophecies surrounding how this is going on with the end of time. And we've talked about this before. We have. And uh, something Nathan just said a minute ago, somebody uh, about there's nothing hindering you from loving other people. Right. Mm. Ultimately, and this is where I wind up when people ask me, what do you think about these prophecies? What do you think about this? And what do I think about that? Well, all the prophecies of God are leading me to follow God. Mm-hmm. They yeah. should. I mean, they should. Yeah. If there's a prophecy of God that leads me to do something contradictory to what God or that said, one, I know that's not a prophecy of God. Yep. Right. So yeah, if it's leading me to fear or to anger or to grasp for Or control, to ignore my neighbor. Right. Oh, certainly, yes. Yeah. Well, and, and you and I, and you were just younger at the time, but when Y2K happened, there were people in our church that became preppers. Yep. And the whole world's going to crash. hard for anybody to believe that 20 years ago for people mm-hmm. like Joel who, were, yeah, you were alive. You're just a baby baby in your right. t- Y2K. Little, little baby Joel. Little baby Joel. Little. Uh, they're prepping, and I'm buying night vision goggles, and I'm mm-hmm. going to sure. put compounds up and all that. Yep. And my whole thing was, man, it just doesn't sound like what Jesus would do. If, yes. if that's what's going to happen at the end of time, 
I do not believe Jesus would say, all you Christians, get in a group and put a guard watch on all the Mm -hmm. time to shoot anybody that wants water from you (laughs) or wants food from you or who, I mean, it just contradicts so much. And I said, so that can't possibly be the right move. That's right. It Mm -hmm. just can't possibly be, even if that prophecy is right, that decision that comes on the other side of it, Mm It's going to be the same decision before the prophecy, which yeah. is, uh, I think Jesus said the things I had to do were love God, right? Yep. love people, yep. and whatever comes out of this prophecy, those are still my moves. Yep. Well, and I think, I think it's some, often important that when we, when we think about kind of our interpretation of things and the way we're seeing, you know, end-time prophecy and stuff like that, I, I recently heard, here are people that I hear on the outside of Christianity looking at our prophecies, and one thing that was said about a lot of this stuff that's going on in the Middle East right now, I saw somebody post and said, it's bizarre to me that Christians are praying for a devastating world war to happen so that they can get out of here, and I thought, mm. that's an interesting criticism. Now, I get there are probably answers to all those, and I'm not, I'm not even trying to get into that, but I do think it's important for us to kind of think through what you just said is my prayer god help me to love people in the midst of crisis or mm-hmm. or god help these horrible things to happen so that something else can happen i think it's important in the ways that we approach these uh situations and topics of what is my responsibility in this moment i had i've had people ask me before don't you think it's important for preparing for God's return, and I've always said, I think the best way to prepare someone for God's re- future return is to be a disciple of Jesus right now. Well, in that, in that, what he, I mean, because the disciples, let's be real, the disciples who watched him ascend into heaven expected to, to see him return within their lifetime, and that right, was that yes. was the footing that they were on the, the moment he left. And they were wrong. They were wrong. <laughs> they were. But Jesus gave them marching orders yeah. and and said, "Well, these are it." Yes. And and he said exactly what you just said. Go and make disciples. Yes. Teach them yeah. to obey me. And I'll be with you the whole time until I get back. Yeah, none of his mar- marching orders included hunker down, yeah. protect your family, make sure everybody's okay, mm-hmm. and I'll be back one day to get y'all out of here. Yeah. Th- th- those are hard to find in reading the words of Jesus mm-hmm. or any of his followers. It's mm-hmm. just not, that's not what they say. So when people say to me, we don't know the time, but we can be ready. I go, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, sure. I, I'm ready right now. Yeah. And I didn't need a prophecy to do that. Nope. I, nope. It doesn't have anything to do with that. There is, and, and we should be very clear, when we react in that way that you just described, to in reaction to a prophecy, what we're doing is we are counteracting the message of the kingdom of God yes. in the world around us. We are saying to the world around us, you know that kingdom it's not unshakable we're scared to death yep, and right. we better we better get about protecting ourselves because we serve a god who can't do it yep. yes seriously that's the that that's no longer the gospel that's not good news anymore well and i had a guy online that was and he was obviously not a christian that was saying that so all you all think you know you're going to get out of here for all that i go i don't personally think that i said are there christians yes i think that i said I think the kingdom's coming here, man, and I'm trying to bring it about every day. And the way I do that is through loving people and having conversations with you. That's what the the Lord I follow said for me to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. He did not pray, hey, Father, hang on, get me out of here. Yes. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens to the rest of these folks happens to them. Yeah, they just fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, antithetical to the love. It certainly sounds backwards to <laughs> it's, me. It's not the thought, Jesus message. I just thought I would say that in, in context of what we were talking about. That also is a big thing. It happens anytime there's uncertainty. Absolutely. You can count on conspiracy theories about what's going on. Yes. I'm clamoring for some kind of control, and this is obviously a fulfillment of the end times. Mm-hmm. What we know is, I guess, one of those predictions one day will be true because whenever Jesus comes back, there will be somebody somewhere saying that was the day. Yeah. But most of them are wrong, and most of them hinder people who are struggling to try to believe Mm. that if we would have used another method of trying to help them see the truth, we might have helped them. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks for bringing that up. 
All right, well, let's talk about uh, Sunday's message. And another thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Cut his mic off. <laughs> exactly. So Sunday sermon, uh, Jason uh, taught us about Nehemiah, uh, Old Testament uh, leader in, in Israel, uh, gets sent back to do a lot of things for the nation of Israel, part of the rebuilding of that. But in particular, the part you kind of highlighted was his character, his moral authority, as, as you put it, uh, walking your talk, that when he went in to lead, he led with incredible integrity and moral authority. He didn't just ask things of people. He led the way mm-hmm. in how to do those things. Um, and what you challenged us to on Sunday uh, was that not only should we be looking for leaders of moral authority, that moral authority should matter to us and the people who lead should. us, but on top of that, that we that it starts with us, that we have to be people of moral authority, and we have to be people um, who kind of reject our own hypocrisies and, 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 mm-hmm. and examine those things. So to begin with, uh, is there anything I missed that you think we need to highlight on your Sunday message? No, yeah, it's pretty much the that's the summary. There we go. That's the summary. That's the back of the back. Nehemiah cover. was a big dog leader. That's what I thought. Yes. Man, he yes. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, first question I want to deal with is, and you kind of deal with this in your sermon a little bit, but I thought maybe we could tease it out a little more here, is why do you think it is? I think most people agree with the basic thought oh, of yeah. leaders should have moral authority, right? Yep. Because by its nature, as you pointed out on Sunday, when it's someone of the opposite party, we all use that against them, right? I see, I, even currently in our current, uh, well, and I don't even have to say even in our current, anyone who's ever watched political commercials, yeah. no, the commercials aren't even half the time about the issue. It's like, this person had a dog and he fed him pedigree. And, <laughs> no! not, and not this. If he won't take pedigree! care of his dog, <laughs> how will he take care of your children? You know, oh, it's like my gosh. some, you That's know great. what I mean, right? Like yeah. some... Yeah, yeah. Over the top, something you go, okay. (laughs) That's right. So that's a problem. They're doing it about every leader, every Senate, what does it matter? Everyone's Mm -hmm. coming in and doing that. So we all agree that should matter, but Mm -hmm. somehow, (laughs) when it's my guy, my woman who's leading, right, Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't bother me as well, much. Pedigree is actually a very fine dog. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I got to come up with that. <laughs> Paid for by pedigree. So, um, yeah. Okay. So what? So what? Mm-hmm. What leads? That that's a hypocrisy. I think everyone also Absolutely. Can that that's hypocrisy because we do that. You don't mm-hmm. care when it's your guy. So, what leads? To, what are the thoughts beneath that that lead to that? I, I think it reveals our our lack of faith. It reveals where our allegiance sure. is. It it's it's. We talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago. It's that fear that I'm about to lose something. Mm. And it's this thing that I that I, I hold dear, and if I lose it, I don't, I don't know what I'll do without it. And so I'll set aside what I know to be right, what I say that I stand on, what I stand on in every other circumstance of life, because I've got to hold on to this. And the moment that happens... We, and I'll say we because it includes all of us, we have just revealed what our God is. Yes. And it comes down to idolatry. Mm-hmm. And, it, and we've been saying in the series, you know, um, we view our faith through the lens of politics. And, and what that means is when your politics trumps, no pun intended, your faith, or maybe <laughs> no, no, no pun intended. intended. No. But that that really is the right word. When your politics overtake right. what your faith teaches you, what your Lord has taught you, then you just revealed, and it's it's okay to admit it. You just revealed, I got another God that's not Jesus, yes. right. and that that should lead all of us Christians to a moment of lament yep. and repentance, and going, Oh no, Father. I've been I've been wrong. I have I have moved you out of the throne of my life, and so therefore I need to repent, and I need to I need to make right on that. Mm-hmm. Sadly, many times we can't quite do that because again, it, and it comes back to fear. I'm afraid of losing this thing, or even if it's a what 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 could be a very righteous kind of issue. Um, on the political spectrum, is, I guess what I mean by that. Something that I that I know to be right, but yet I'll drop things that I know to be right in order to achieve it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's way I, it comes into my head. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's I think that's it. I think I think what we wind up admitting in it 
And I, I think, unfortunately, we feel like we are also trapped in a system. I hear people sure, all the time. Yeah, yeah. My whole, I've been voting now for a long I voted in the Carter Ford election. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a long time ago. That was the very first one. And I've heard people from that point say, well, we don't really have any good choices. Yeah. There are no good choices. It's a lesser of two evils. Sure. And so we're, we have to make a choice. Well, the choice is also, which I have made at times, I don't have to choose either one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think, and people say, well, you're just throwing your vote away. Well, technically, and everybody knows this about a, a <laughs> every loser does. Every, every loser does. And in presidential politics in the state of Georgia for the last few years, if you voted for anybody that wasn't a Republican, you threw your Throw vote away. Yeah. Even in counties where the Democrat won your county, mm-hmm. they didn't get any of the electoral votes because yeah. we're a winner take all system. True. So, you 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 could make another choice and just and then you could say to people I just made another choice I didn't feel like I had to vote for the winner I I am not trapped by democracy yeah that's Christians have typically said the political system does not hold me yeah mm-hmm. well and I think I think to that point you know when you talk about being trapped I think there's also this kind of always like I often hear people talk about uh, Jesus. The kingdom way is always what's referred to as the third way option. That people want to split us to, well, you either got to do this or you got to do this, and that's the way the world works. You either mm-hmm. got this option or you got this option, and Jesus is always this third way option of, well, you never thought about this, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, so with your enemies, you either just got to totally embrace a person what they do, or you got to reject them totally. And Jesus goes, there's a way to love your enemy, which means they stay your enemy. You still don't <laughs> agree with them, but you got to love them anyway, right? right? That's the third the way third option, way. Mm-hmm. and. I think in this, the the benefit we have in democracy is just because I vote for something doesn't mean that I have to stand behind it the, the rest of my life. And yeah. so when I, when I get to a place where I say, look, I did think these were the two options, yes or no, and I didn't like yes or no, but I thought there was a nuance in the middle somewhere, but mm-hmm. I had to choose yes or no, so I chose yes or I chose and no. And here's my reasons why. Yes, That's right. and then later I may come back and go, maybe I should have voted yes. Mm. Maybe I should have voted, or maybe I should have voted no. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because I, as a follower, am not married to a political party or to a president or to a Congress member. I'm not married to this system. I'm, as, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this Sunday. Uh, Jesus often, when he referred to people coming into the kingdom, he used a wedding ceremony as the thing. We have wed ourselves to God, and when we start getting in bed, as we often use that phrase, getting in bed with political parties and partisan politics, and I got to just be, I'm stuck with this guy now, or I'm stuck with this system yeah. now because that's what I got. No. It's spiritual adultery. Yeah. I am wed to Jesus as my bride, or I'm his bride, right? And, and I have started sleeping around a little bit with I'm at least flirting a lot. Yes. <laughs> with this other with this other kingdom, so to say. And when it comes to government, it's a pretty literal kingdom. And yeah. so I think to, to to your point, feeling like I'm forced to choose, I'm not also stuck with that choice because it wasn't my ultimate choice. No. No. And it's okay to you know, when you the choice is made to to say, look, I got some problems with this area or this person. I got issues with what the because there, there's no there no, is no perfect there's no perfect can, unless you know I guess unless it's you I guess you'd be voting for you because no. everybody you'd agree with yourself but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean well anybody that's put place before me I'm not going to have a hundred percent agreement with any one person I've been leading for a long time and I hate lots of decisions I have made well, of course <laughs> sure of yeah. course <laughs> well so it, I don't even agree with me yeah doesn't that go to moral authority as well is be Part of moral authority and integrity requires that when I realize I've made the wrong choice in a, a, in order yeah. to stay integrated, because that's where integrity mm-hmm. comes from, which is all parts of my life, my public life, my private life, my family life, my social media life, everything about my life is integrated. Mm-hmm. There is no hidden part no one knows about. That's what integrity means. Mm-hmm. Part of that means when I realize internally, I realize I've made the wrong decision. I should have yeah. done something different. I, I'm open about that so that so that there's no hidden thing mm-hmm. that I know I was wrong, but i got to pretend out here so I, I don't no have longer to. defend bad decisions. Yes, yeah. because that's what – isn't that what frustrates all of us with the yes. political parties and politicians is they know they made the wrong decision. And one thing that frustrates me, 
with voters often is this idea of flip-flopping, especially mm-hmm. with people who have been politicians for 40 years, and they go, well, in 1972, yeah. they believed this, and now they flipped. And I go, well, I would want that. I, I hope would, they flipped. Yes, yeah. I would hope at some point they've realized I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I made the wrong de- – and a person who who – all evidence points to you being wrong goes, nope, I was still right. Nope, I was still right. That was the best decision I could have made. You don't respect that person. You don't trust that person. Mm-mm. Part of having moral authority is admitting, yeah. I might be, I might have made the wrong decision or I, I didn't do everything. I think I honest. told you this one time. I said, there's some sermons that I preached early in my pastoral career that I would not stand behind today. Oh, no. I also have those. I've had people point out to me, hey, you said this and this, and I go, yeah, I don't believe that anymore. I thought it at the time, yeah. but I was I no wrong. longer agree with that. Yeah. Well, and certainly you wouldn't want Maybe to- that'd be a great sermon series, <laughs> Things I No Longer Believe. Wow. That'd be like how many weeks? <laughs> yeah, no, a long time. Lots be a whole I did a sermon series once uh, upon a time when I was really young, and people made fun of me. Sermons I wish I'd preached, and then I just preached other people's, other people's sermons. sermons. <laughs> sermons I wish I had written. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so when it, when it comes to moral authority in our own lives, and I think we touched on this a little, but once again, just to kind of flesh it out for people so that they can kind of get some, some real meat on it, what, what do you think causes our own lack of moral integrity and moral authority in our personal lives because once again it's really easy to point at politicians because all their records are public and we can see them i think it's pride i Mm -hmm. think inevitably it's pride it is the defense of it's no different than i have lots of respect for people that say to me i've i voted for this person because of X, Y, and Z. And mm-hmm. I go, okay, I may disagree with your reason, but you stated them. Yeah. But then when I saw what they did, X, Y, Z, that was wrong. Yes. And I right. don't support that. Yes. Well, we all know that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I did vote for yeah. this reason, but I don't have to say I voted for them. Therefore, whatever they do, mm-hmm. I have to defend. Well, no. that's ridiculous. Yes. That, that cuts your credibility. And the same is true with me. And I, I tried to do this as a dad, and I did it imperfectly, I, I'm confident. When I screwed up, mm-hmm. I wanted to own it with my kid, no matter how young or old they were, I wanted to own it. And I accepted the fact that if I screwed up, I could not talk to them about anything they had also screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just needed to be the conversation of, I just lost that opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's what I lost the opportunity on. My screw-up cost me the opportunity to talk to my kid about their screw-up. Mm-hmm. I had to just own it. Did I do that right? No, but, but the times that I wouldn't do it, it was because I was just too proud, and I mm-hmm. thought their deal needed more attention than my deal. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, particularly when you get teenagers, they see through that in a yeah. heartbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. When, you try, when you try to sneak it by your kid that you screwed up, but let's talk about your mm-hmm. screw-up, oh. I think the greatest moments of teaching I've ever had with my kids as teenagers have been the, the times when I was able to look at them and go, look, I didn't do this right, or I'm not. I just didn't. I just screwed this up. Right. I don't want you to do what I did. Yep. You know, whether it be something in the past or something, I just did last exactly week. Exactly right. Don't be like me, you know. And that that resonates, man, because <laughs> that's, that's about as honest as you can be. Yep. Now, I probably should do that more often, but <laughs> – it's pride that keeps me from keeps it. Me from That's it. what I think it is. It's pride mm-hmm. and fear because I, I told people, you know, when I would talk to you guys about sex, my, my three sons, I would just tell them everything because I messed up as about as much as anybody could mess up. Uh, and I just laid the whole th- way more than they wanted to hear about <laughs> how true. I had messed up. <laughs> I told them about it, and I just said, you don't want the pain that I've had right. over these mess-ups. I can't stop you from it, sure. but I can, te- I can show you the road that this leads to, and it's not an attractive road. Um, those were the best moments I thought of that kind of mm-hmm. uh, thing in my life, of being able to just say, this is what it is. I messed up. Mm-hmm. I just don't want you to mess up like mm-hmm. I did. You, were, um, you reminded me of something um, that I saw on Twitter uh, with a comment you just made earlier about how you feel like you get caught in between – um, you know, the two issues or the two sides of the political spectrum and you agree with 
you know, and you just got to go with the best you can. But you don't have to buy into everything. Right. You know, when you were talking about that, I saw a tweet the other day. Um, and, again, this is, this is not necessarily where I stand or anybody on this, you know, yeah. podcast stands. But this was where a, a brother in Christ, this, is, this was his kind of statement and lament on this. And I don't remember who it was, but he said, um, I wish uh, I wish that the Democrats would uh, care more about um, life before birth. And then he wrote underneath that, I wish the Republicans cared more about life after. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, wow, that's a that's a real honest look. Now, whether you agree with him or no, not right. on any you, of that. I'm confident both of those people, wherever you are, could defend. Yeah, yeah. You could I could defend, defend both sides. Yes. But I thought, man, that's, some, that's somebody who's being honest, who's sitting in the middle of this two-party system, mm-hmm. and, he's feeling, and he's trying his best to be led by Jesus. And he sees, he sees flaws on both sides, and he's trying to make the most out of both. I, I feel that's the way I have felt most of my life, yep, me too. Uh, whether it be about issues like that or not, just in, in general. Is, is my point. Yeah. You know, you feel caught in between those two, but like back to what you had said, Nathan, the, the, the third way of Jesus leads me somewhere different. Right. Most of the time. Well, and I think when it comes to, you know, you mentioned pride, and I think pride is the central issue. And one, one element of pride is the way that we deceive ourselves. And I think, I think one reason that we lead ourselves to these spirals of, of, of hypocrisy is the way that we lie to ourselves. Um, you know, I know I've learned one of the biggest things about me is not that I'm deceitful to other people. I am deceitful to other people. But the the biggest person I'm deceitful to is me. Yes. And I lie to myself about my motives and what it is. And often the lie that we get is, and you mentioned this a little bit about moral authority with public leaders, but I think it's true in our own lives as well, is that ends justifying the means kind of thing that I know Jesus wants me to tell the truth but this truth is so painful to somebody else, and he doesn't want me to cause people pain, which Jesus actually didn't say. Right. He doesn't want me to, to cause anybody a, a, a painful moment or a dis- uncomfortable moment. Therefore, I will lie about that, and then I'll lie to cover up that, and I'll keep going down this little spiral. And I, I do convince myself, but eventually I'm going to get myself to being an honest person. I had person. good intentions. Yeah. I had good intentions. And I'm going to get there. Or like you like you were just talking about of I've done stuff in my past and I'm going to I'm but I'm not going to bring those things up to my kids when I know I should probably be honest with them about it and they should know about who I am. I'm just going to keep covering it up and when they find out little bits of things in my life, I'm going to keep covering that, I'm going to keep lying about it and one day there'll be people of moral integrity not realizing and everyone knows at some point all children at some point whether you <laughs> whether you reveal it to them or not, they will get caught in your personality struggles and sins and all those things. There's something, whether it's genetic or spiritually genetic, that gets caught in our things. And if I'm not preparing my kids for it, and I just convince myself it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Or, you know what, I'm unhappy in this marriage, and I deserve to be happy, so I'm going to step outside this marriage a little bit. And, you know, everyone would want me to be happy. My kids would want me to be happy, all of this. And, you know, I just keep lying to myself in these kind of situations. And I think the that's the part that I, I often, I struggle with myself a lot, too, is when I read a command to Jesus, and I go, well, in a perfect world. Hmm. In a perfect world, I could turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. In a perfect world, I could forgive my enemies. In a perfect world, I don't live in no perfect world. Do you see what's going on in our world? Do you see what's going on? People have these kind of things, and Jesus really goes, the access to the kingdom, and this is the part that I think we often miss, the access to the kingdom is in following Jesus, which means in following his commands, that he's opened a way for us to come in. But I can't really live within that kingdom if I go, I'm not going to follow your commands. Mm-hmm. I want the love of Jesus to be evident in my life, but not towards my enemies, mm-hmm. not towards people who have, have persecuted me. And then I go, I don't know why I'm yelling at people I do love. Mm-hmm. I do love my wife, and I'm so bitter about this person over here and my lack of forgiveness, and this person I do love I'm so angry at, but I have the love of Jesus, then I feel guilty about it, and I start lying to myself some more about that. And I think that's a part of our spirals of integrity is. is that one of the things we've been called to, and you called us to on Sunday as well, is these moments of reflection where I'm allowing God and I'm allowing other people hopefully maybe even the sermons on Sunday to hold a mirror to my life and to show me the things that I've lied to myself about 
We have to have people in our life who can show us. And maybe that's, maybe that's an important thing for us to spend a moment on is, so how do I get to a place where I do see those things clearly? Because um, I don't think personal reflection does it fully because of my ability. No. And you talked about this in either the first or the second week of my heart's deceitful. Yep. It, sometimes just spending time by myself going, well, am I a liar? Oh, no, no your brain, I'm not a liar. Your, your brain and your heart are yeah. powerful tools to convince you that you are okay. Yeah, right. I, I talk myself out of all those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. all of that. All the time. I, it goes to it goes to being accountable to other people. Yeah. Being in community with others who who love me and love me, really love me, which love means I call you out. You know, if or if I see something that's troubling or something, I, I say something. Um, that's, to me, that's the only place that, that ever happens. It, it's the only way. Uh, that and pain. True. It's yeah, why that, it, mm-hmm. it inevitably, everything comes out. It always does. It, either mm-hmm. it's going to come out when we're all in eternity. It's going to come out. That's. Mm-hmm. But it's going to. It comes out. Mm-hmm. It all comes out. I remember saying to a guy years ago. He said, "You know, the worst day of my life was when my wife found out." And I said, "You know, the worst day of your life would have been if no one had ever found out." Mm-hmm. And you had kept on living this lie until you just became at a point that you couldn't tell. You're just a liar, man. Mm-hmm. At least now it's been exposed, and you have a chance to be a truth teller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as long as you got away with lying, you're going to be a liar because mm-hmm. it's working for you. Because the chances of you just breaking out of that on your own right. were very small. Yeah. It's the same know? way with drug addicts, drunks, whatever. Worst day was when I got, you know, six months for DUI. Mm. Worst day would have been if you'd have just kept on doing it. Yep. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just wasted the one and only life you have. Well, yeah. and it makes me think about it makes me think about the story of David and Bathsheba in the Old Testament. King David, you know, sees a woman from his rooftop and ends up having an affair with her. And then to cover up that affair, he ends up trying to basically trick her husband into sleeping with her. But he's got too much integrity because mm-hmm. he's a soldier and he's like, I should be out with my troops. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and then eventually David goes, well, I'm going to conspire to kill this guy, gets him, gets him killed in the battlefield, thinks he's covered the whole thing up, and his friend and the prophet of God, Nathan, comes to him and tells him this story uh, about, uh, you know, there's a man who had many sheep, and he was all fine, and there was one guy, and he only had one little sheep, and this guy goes in, and he steals the sheep, and, and his whole story, and David can't see his own sin. I think that's the part that we often miss. We often think, that's well, crazy. of course he felt guilt. Of mm-hmm. course he did that. Not but then. No, in that in that world, and in his worldview, sin is what's publicly exposed to people. So he thought, I got it all taken care of. I covered it up. No one's ever going to find out about it, so it's all fine. I've married Bash. Everyone thinks that's just I'm taking care of this widow. I'm a great dude. Yeah, David didn't change until Nathan pointed at him and said, you're the man. Yes. Right. That and, was the moment. Yes, exactly. And there's this moment where he – because he's so riled up about this story of yeah. one dude who's got a lot and steals from another person. And and I think Nathan's kind of like, okay, I may, I thought I told this great story. <laughs> thought it was really clear, it. but it wasn't but, apparently. It's you. It's you. And David has this great sorrow and he moves mm-hmm. into this thing. But I think, and I heard someone say this recently, it's sin to think we can see our own sin on our own. And I thought that's so brilliant way to put it, that we have this idea that, well, I know myself better than anyone. I know myself the best. And we need these, like you said, these accountable relationships. You know, Once again, to plug discipleship, it's the huge benefit to me of discipleship Mm -hmm. that I force myself, and I think I brought it up on the podcast before, when part of it is that you share what happened in your last 24, and are there things that I did that honored God, are there things I did that did not honor God? And I make myself and my did not honor God put minimal information, and not because I'm trying to hide things, but because I'm trying to keep myself from explaining things away. I just come up and go, I dealt with lust, right? Mm-hmm. I gave into lust, or I lied to somebody, or I did it because I know if I get too much into, I lost my temper on my kids, but if you were there, I'm just yeah. telling you, you would have, you know what I mean? If I just deal with it, and now I know they know, mm-hmm. and they can reflect to me, hey, you've had two weeks of saying that you've been dealing with lust, or you've been dealing yeah. with this. What are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. They're able to hold, and even if they don't, the confession part of having to see it every morning, I go, oh, you know, I think I think Look the accountable me. relationship is <laughs> huge. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Hmm. 
All right. Well, anything else? I, I don't necessarily have anything else from Sunday. I, I think the I think though it's huge for us to get to a place where we stop lying to ourselves about ourselves and about the people uh, that we end up having to lead us. Yeah, lead us and yeah. make and and you are going to make a choice, but don't feel stuck in the choice that yeah. you make. Be, that, that be was honest the, with yourself. That was the it. thing that I, my heart was on Sunday, you know, past the personal integrity that I want us all to have. I just I just really long for we, the church, to, to just st- stop explaining away people or things just for the sake of, oh, I made this choice and this that, that's my guy and I'm going to stick with him and, and go all the way. You know, if if somebody, no matter what side of the political aisle they're on, if if they're not honest, if they're not moral, can we the church just say that? Even yeah. even if we support them even in a lot of other areas, if we voted areas, for them, if we voted yeah. for them, and just even say. if they've done some things we agree yeah. with, go, dude, that dude's a liar. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see where that is. That should not be too hard for us, right? Yeah, no. You know, and I, we're we should be the conscience of this country. And sure. and when we give that part away, we're we're giving part of what Jesus called us to be away. And I don't want us to do that. You know, support who you want to support, and 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 give your reasons if you've got reasons. But don't be so blind to just think that I can't now call that person or that party out for when they screw up. That's yeah. all I think. And just so you, so I'm clear where you think where I stand on this. I don't think either candidate is a total person of – if we're talking no. about the highest office, I don't think – I couldn't point to either one of them and go, boy, there's a person of perfect integrity. No. Right? So I get you're going to make a call. Yeah. I'm just saying your faith shouldn't be so far behind your politics mm-hmm. that you can't see. I really am making a really flawed call, and I'm going to call out – this person that yeah. I voted for mm-hmm. when they violate, because that's Absolutely. my job. That's right. Integra- integrity for me is integrating. I don't have a spiritual life and a political life right. and a family life and that. I have a life. They are all integrated together. And what the Bible teaches me is all of it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. Everything in there is spiritual. Absolutely. So when I yep. violate it on yep. one part, I am violating my spiritual life. Yes. yes. Which gets to what we're going to be talking about Sunday, which uh, that'll be our little segue there to there kind of go. go. So what we're getting to Sunday is how do I actually live with Jesus as King? How do I how do I get to place? Because what you just talked about there is is absolutely right, right? Mind, soul, body, all of that, heart, all every part of my life, Jesus is meant to be King over, and everything I do is run through the filter of King Jesus. He's the only King that matters. Everything else is not. What does that actually look like in our lives? And I think I think uh, we have potential for us once again to do some reflection on our part of once again not just how have I accepted a lesser king in politics or in public office, but also in my personal life. And, and so, ultimately, that is the answer for Christians in the age of outrage. Yes. yes, everything else we've been saying and everything we will say after this, they are only solved by a group of people who live with Jesus as king of their life and dependent. It is the solve. Mm-hmm. What should yes. Christians do in the age of outrage? We should live with Jesus as our king yep. over everything in our life. Yes. Yep. There you go. So be here this Sunday. Be online this Sunday. We're going to, uh, I think it'll be a, I don't want to say a good time. I don't know if it'll be a good time. It's an important time. It's an yes. important time. And That's so right. We'll, uh, and we we'll appreciate you all hanging with us through all of this. We yeah. know some of it's been tough. Yes, yeah. it has. Absolutely. So. All right. We love you guys. Thank See you. Bye.